Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our second episode of Caregivers Uncorked. My name is Sean Moore, and this is Natasha Swayze, and we are with Operation Frontline Families. And tonight, we are going to talk about those young people in our homes, those that are secondary caregivers in many of our homes. But we also want you to make sure that you stay for the episode and tune in all the way through, because at the end, we will bring in Shit Chat. Shit Chat. Say that real fast. Shit Chat. Shit Chat. (laughs) Yeah. So, kids, all things kids in our homes, Natasha and I are veteran caregivers, and we both have young kids in our homes. And we want to talk about how being in a caregiving home affects these kids. And there are 2.3 million children under the age of 18 in a home with a veteran who is wounded. Absolutely. So I know that's probably a estimate. Yeah. Right. It is an estimate, but it's a number that I imagine not pe- most people have heard of. So in our caregiving space, there are 5.5 million military and veteran caregivers. And then again, in those homes, there are 2.3 million children who become secondary caregivers unknowingly. We don't we don't necessarily go, hey kid, you're going to be a caregiver to your dad or mom. They just mimic what we do. Right. And I think also, um, real quick, how old is your little, we call them hidden helpers also, um, just like our caregivers are hidden heroes. How old is your hidden helper at home? My hidden helper at home is 13. What about you? And how long has she been a hidden helper? Oh my gosh. Um, So since she, well, I met my husband, who is the veteran, when she was about two and a half. So she has really been in that home for all of my journey as a caregiver, for sure. Right. And it's crazy. You're like, well, a toddler, how in the world is a toddler a hidden helper? But you know what? They they feed off emotions of the veteran. And I think a lot of times um, those kids are, they stop veterans from doing a lot of things in the home. Oh my gosh. So you are so, so correct. So just a little backstory or a, a story that maybe some of you all can relate to. My daughter really did take on that caregiving role just by her seeing what I do. And from really the time that she was five or six years old, she was reminding her stepdad, my husband, to take his meds every night. And I thought that was so interesting. I'm like, okay, how does she even know this? But it was just by mimicking what she saw me do. But here's some really crazy stuff, y'all. And I, again, on this podcast, it's called Caregivers Uncorked because we are talking about things that oftentimes we don't share. So I'm going to bring this up because I I want us to, although this isn't normal, but to normalize the lives that these kids 
and us as caregivers and family members of veterans. And uh, I'm sure in our other populations, first responders, our frontline families. One day, my daughter was being picked up um, by my husband. And granted, this was a few years ago, so I don't need anybody like calling local DFS on us or anything. That's, we've all been there and done that. <laughs> Wait, um, <laughs> I think the first episode, didn't I say like, please don't call, call on me, you know, because that happens. It happens so much. And so um, we put that disclaimer. So, yeah. Yeah, it's so, already been handled. <laughs> exactly. This has already been handled. All right. Um, but although I could have picked up my daughter from school, my husband generally, that's, that's his job. And when I got home, after they had gotten home, I realized that my husband had been drinking. And it really dawned on me that he picked up my daughter when he had been drinking. And it really, I mean, hit me like a ton of bricks. For one, oh my gosh, why in the world didn't you just call me and say, I can't pick her up. And I want you all to know that this mama went batshit crazy because that's a no-go. Yet I'm bringing that up because I know I am not the only one that this has happened to. And from that moment on, it was always in the back of my mind that that could happen again. So it becomes my job then to pick up my daughter. Um, and we did that for a while. Granted, now my husband's a little bit better off and he can go pick up our daughter. But those are the things that happen that we don't talk about, that is happening in our homes. And these kids, then I'm having to tell my little one, hey, this is what you look out for. And I don't want you getting in a car if that's the case, if you can tell. Well, exactly. So they have that responsibility of looking for those signs of someone being under the influence of alcohol or drugs. Um, and then you think about suicide and what these young people are looking for with signs of suicide. You are spot on again, Natasha, because. In my home, um, my veteran has basically the invisible wounds of war. So things that you aren't going to see. If he walked in here tonight, you would never be able to tell that he had any type of injury. And suicidality is a very, very real thing in our household, as I know it is in many of your households as well. So. One of the things that I realized was that my daughter, and, and this was probably, I would say, starting five years ago, she got to seeing what his patterns were before he attempted suicide. And then this kid, this little kid, then thought that she could be the one to stop something bad from happening. So she got to where she didn't even want to go to her dad's house thinking that if she did, then her stepdad, my husband, would attempt suicide. She seriously got to thinking that she could stop it. 
That is a burden, obviously, that as a mom, I didn't put on her. She just did it. It's like, they, it's like they inherit these just by watching and knowing what's going on in the house. And then, you know, they have, so they're, they're watching mental health crisis and they're, they're, they're taking on that responsibility while also dealing with their own mental health. Because we know that veteran military kids have poor health outcomes all the way around to include mental health than their civilian counterparts. So they're, they're, they have these two balls they're, they're juggling, right? They have their own mental health they're dealing with and then the mental health of their veteran in the home and also the caregivers and other kids in the home. There's so much that goes on that they have to, they have to juggle all that. And no one realizes how much responsibility that they have. Absolutely. So... If any of you want to dive deeper outside of this podcast in what do these hidden helpers go through at home with our veterans, Mathematica, along with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, did an excellent research, deep dive into exactly what these kids are going through, but more importantly, how we can help them. Right. And I was looking at that. I've looked at it before, but before we did the podcast, I looked just to, and it's stuff I know, it's it's facts and statistics that I know, but I wanted to really write those down and remember them. And it says um, that our hidden helpers um, experience isolation and fewer opportunities to interact with peers, right? Because, well, for one, they're not relating to their peers that don't have those same issues in their household. And if they do, yes, you know, domestic violence can look the same in household, civilian households and everything, but there's still this, just this difference about it. And we'll talk more about that. Um, increased feelings of stigmata- stigmatization. Good job. Um, you did it. Say that three times. <laughs> no. <laughs> and have difficulty expressing emotion and learning in schools. And have more health problems, as I just mentioned, and experience burnout, fatigue, and um, those things that you would think would affect just adults. You know, when you think of burnout, you're like, how in the world? You know, I have a 10 and 8-year-old at home. How in the world could they experience burnout? Um, and your 13-year-old, they can and they do. Yeah, they, they do. And when they don't understand why mommy or daddy can't come to one of their school activities or their their band recital or their sporting events like all the other mommy and daddies if they're there but their mom or dad can't come because of the challenges that that person is experiencing and that may be around noise it may be around too many people I can remember the first times that my husband started going to my daughter's softball games, my 27-year-old daughter's softball games. So this was when we first met. And seemingly, softball fields are always around woods, Mm -hmm. so forest, woods, or shooting ranges. Mm -hmm. 
I, or loud ass highways, right? right? <laughs> I think of like, um, there's a couple that I can think of in our area that are like by these loud highways. Yes. So I can remember when he started going, he, I, fa- I found him walking the ridge line of the woods. And I'm like, what in the world is he doing? And my daughter at the time is like, what is Brian doing? And it, it took me a while to figure it out too. But where I got was if we were going to a softball game that I had not been to the field before, I would pull it up on Google Maps just to see what was around there so that I could talk to him and let him know prior to us getting there so it wasn't a crap show when we did get there. And and then I'm focusing on him and not able to focus on my kid playing softball. And then those... Those behaviors, I guess you would say, can you, I mean, they can be embarrassing to us. So can you imagine how embarrassing it is to our kids? And I know, I know the veterans can't help it, right? They're, they're doing it out of, you know, because whatever reason, there's a million reasons why, but like, uh, hey, Courtney, why is your dad, what is he doing? <laughs> you know? Exactly. And what is, how is she supposed to answer that? It, it is. Um, our, our kids in these caregiving homes, whether you're caregiving for a veteran or someone else, they experience different challenges than those kids who are not in caregiving homes. And just like you said, they find it hard to find peers like them. We happen to be coming to you from Kansas City, Missouri. We are not a military town. We're not right near a military installation. So our community doesn't realize what is going on in these homes. Outside of, you know, maybe being, um, let's, let's give a shout out to our good friends and caregivers in Texas, <laughs> where you have a ton of military installations. And it's a very friendly veteran state. Right. You can, um, you can be in, we've been in our hotel rooms and, and we've seen commercials and we talked about that today, just um, all the billboards and just all the resources that you can look driving down the highway and or look on your TV and it's resources being thrown at you where that's not the case, which is interesting because we're only what 30, 45 minutes away from Whiteman Air Force Base and um, Fort Leavenworth. So exactly. it's interesting that we don't have a lot of support here for our caregivers. And it's hard to identify them and those kids as well. Right. So in Missouri, Kansas, a lot of our caregivers that we support outside of those two states, y'all live in rural areas. Why? Why? Because our veterans don't want to be near people, but then that's isolating for the adult caregiver as well as those kids. And when they cannot get around <clears throat> other kids who are going through similar situations, they feel different. Right. And, um, you know, I think one of our goals was to talk about the hard things that nobody wants to talk about with this podcast. Um, 
what the kids are seeing. We know that every kid isn't seeing domestic violence, right? But it is happening a lot in a lot of many different forms in our military and veteran community, the first responder community. There is a high rate of domestic violence. And no one wants to acknowledge that because we want our military and our veterans, our first responders to be our heroes. And they are, right? But they still have a higher rate of domestic violence. And so our kids are seeing that. So let's talk about that. Absolutely. So like you said, very hard topic to talk about. Yet because we know it is happening, we've got to talk about it. And our kids oftentimes see angry outbursts. Um, Y'all, I'm going to be real here on our podcast. That's one of the things and reasons why we called this caregivers uncorked. We are uncorking and really getting deep down into some of the issues that these homes, people in these homes are facing. My daughter, like I said, um, she goes to her dad's house. And if the shit hit the fan when she was gone and there was a, a hole in the wall or a hole in the door or what have you, because my husband got angry and threw something. And then I am scrambling to fix whatever it is. And y'all, I'm not like a uh, fixer of holes person. (laughs) I I don't know how to do that. Um, I'm not a spackler and a a drywaller. (laughs) So I would like take a picture and move it to cover the hole in the wall or what have you, or take, I I can take a door off the hinges. So, or take the door down. So she wouldn't see those things when she came home. It's scary. It is. And you know what? There becomes a time though, where it happens in front of them. And so you, you have to be real with them and you have to be truthful and you have to acknowledge that that's not okay behavior. And a lot of people, um, make excuses for that behavior, right? They blame it on PTSD. And I love that you always reiterate that, you know, violence of any sort is not a symptom of PTSD. Exactly. So what Natasha is getting at, and for those caregivers that have been to our programs, you have heard me say, there is a difference between symptoms and behaviors. And a angry outburst is a behavior of possibly someone with PTSD. It is not because they have PTSD. It is not a symptom. It is not listed in the DSM-5. So if your loved one is having angry outbursts, that's a behavior and they need to get help or it's not going to change. And you may find yourself in an unsafe environment. And it is our number one goal as a parent, as a grandparent, um, to make sure that our kids are staying safe in our homes. Yeah, and uh, so with domestic violence too, 
I think a lot of times um, the caregiver, the family member, when like, let's say police are called and they arrive, who do they usually side with? They, they tend to side with that veteran, right? I mean, there's a, and you're a former police officer and um, I know you can speak to that, but so people are afraid to call the police because again, no one wants to call police on a hero. You're exactly right. I have been in homes before as a first responder. Like Natasha said, I was a police officer for Kansas City for about 15 years. And it is very difficult when a male, a lot of our police officers are veterans, and they don't want to take that veteran to jail. And because they are our heroes. And oftentimes they do side with those veterans and they're not listening to the family members. I'll be absolutely honest with you all. Again, when I met my husband, I was still on the police department and he was going through some major challenges then. And as an officer, I lived in Kansas City, so I lived where my people were patrolling. And I was even scared to call the police to come to our home for fear either they wouldn't listen to me or they would make things worse due to a lack of understanding of what our veterans do go through. Yeah. And this isn't, you know, um, I don't want people to get confused thinking we're sitting here bashing our police force because we love them um, and our military and our veterans. We love them. Um, we're married to them and we're uh, <laughs> Natasha's dating one. So but, um, we do love you all. But we do have to address what's going on in these homes and um, in a lot of homes. And it's not every home. Um, there are plenty of veterans and first responders and military members that are very stable in their home and thriving and there's harmony in their home. Right. But um, there are a lot of people that are struggling with this very issue. Absolutely. Um, There is. And, you know, y'all, when you face something like that, especially for caregivers who oftentimes have left their jobs So they're not bringing in an income. We often see that they're living on one income, which is that veteran's income. They don't have the means to leave. So that even makes it scarier. Those caregivers feel trapped. Y'all, I mean, I've been there before. I have been in a place that either... My veteran wasn't getting the help that he needed. He was very angry. He would have a lot of those angry outbursts. And I knew that it wasn't right. And and again, you know, this is a former police officer talking as well. And it was even scary for me to say, you need to get out of this house, get help or get out of this house. or you need to leave or for me to leave. And that is coming from, again, a former police officer, one that was only out of work for about a year during my caregiving journey. 
but not having the means to leave is extremely scary. Yeah. And then you're also, you, when you think about a lot of uh, veteran families, they're transplanted in different areas away from their family. Um, a lot of them, you said, mentioned earlier, rural areas. And so they really are isolated. Yeah. They don't have anybody to lean on right in their own community. So with that being said, okay, hold on a minute. I have probably said so a hundred times, and I just want you all to know that I recognize that um, and I'll work on it. But um, it is really, really tough. And so, so with just a few minutes left, we want to come to shit chat. -chat. I said shit chat. Shit chat. Right. This is a part of our episode that we will always have at the end. And we're just going to really bring up something for every some shit that just makes us really angry. Makes us really angry. And this week we don't have our mascot, the fly, in here. So, (laughs) right. Um, And so when we're talking about our kids, I think one of the things where it would be so helpful to our kids, where do they spend most of their time at? At schools, right? If our schools had some kind of competency piece around veteran and military and first responder kids and what that looks like and what their kids that are in their classrooms are dealing with at home and going through um, and recognizing that they also have a lot of mental health challenges themselves. So again, not only with their own mental health challenges, but then juggling those of being a hidden helper. And so, but nobody recognizes that in schools, rarely, right? I mean, I haven't come across anyone who does. Um, We don't know. They don't ask when you do your enrollment. Um, No one asks if you live with a... Well, there is a question if you... But they don't do anything with that data. Well, I think what they ask most of the time is, are you in an active duty household? But what do they do with that? I have no idea. I don't Um, think anything. Um, My son's dad was active duty, and I would always put yes when he was active in in Iraq and Afghanistan. And it's not like anyone reached out to me or anything, or he had any kind of extra privilege or anything. So I'm, I'm not sure what they do with that. Right. So what we're trying, so, 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 what we are trying to get out here is if you are an administrator, a teacher in a school, you happen on this podcast and you're listening to us, we are absolutely frustrated when we have to go to these schools and tell them, educate them on what our veteran children may be going through at home, which then in turn, They bring to school and it may be a reason of the behavior and or their mental health challenges. I have talked till I'm blue in the face at my daughter's schools trying to get them to understand that my daughter is going through things at home and this is the way that you can help her. So for all of you on this call, make it a point 
to ask your schools to add a question on their registration form, which I don't know about you all, but we have to fill that out every year. If that child is living in a veteran home and then get some cultural competency around what these veterans, first responders, our military members are going through after war ends, because it doesn't end at home. No, they may it, not be overseas, right. but it hasn't ended for many of our families. And that's the message that we want to get across here. And again, this isn't bashing teachers. My sister's a teacher. We love teachers. My sister's the best teacher in the state of Missouri. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're missing. There's some missing pieces there with those, those kids that they could really, there's lots of potential and lots of reach there. So wherever you are in the USA, if you need us to come in and do any kind of competency uh, surrounding your school district, we fly easily. We'd love to come see you um, and just educate, right? And advocate. Absolutely. So with that being shit chat for this second episode, make sure if you are experiencing any unsafe behaviors in your home, you can reach out to us. And you can also reach out to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And for any of you that are experiencing that, you can talk, to, you can just call that number and talk to them. And with that, Caregivers Uncorked will be back next week for another exciting episode of Caregivers Uncorked and Shit Chat.